Welcome to a Nutrition and Clinical Practice podcast. I'm Dr. Jeanette Hassey, the Editor-in-Chief of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. One of our themes for the April 2016 issue of NCP is enteral nutrition complications. So joining me today is Lisa Musillo. She's the lead author of the paper, Is There a Discrepancy Comparing Enteral Nutrition Documentation with Enteral Pump Volume? Lisa Musillo, MS, RD, CNSC, is a registered dietitian nutritionist with the Department of Food and Nutrition at Nassau University Medical Center in East Meadow, New York. So thank you, Lisa, for joining me today for this discussion. Hello, and thank you very much for the invitation to do this podcast. I'm very excited. So before we start a discussion, I'd like to ask Ms. Musillo if she has any disclosures on this topic that she'd like to share with our listeners. I have no disclosures to share. Thank you. So, Lisa, the purpose of your study, as you outlined it in your paper, was to determine how accurate the enteral nutrition volume, as recorded in the electronic medical record, was compared with the information that you actually retrieved from the enteral nutrition pump. So, what was the premise behind why you decided to perform this study? Well, historically, from observations in my facility here and enteral nutrition data collections that we typically do, the dietitians here have known for many years that there's discrepancies between documentation and the actual tube feeding that's provided to patients. Our clinical service has been collecting pump data for quality measures for over 15 to 20 years. Our hospital uses an older pump, which has a long-term memory feature in addition to a short-term one, and the long-term data cannot be unintentionally zeroed out by accidentally hitting a button. So we have very good data to use when we collect, and it goes up to a total of 10,000 before memory turns over. So we can collect a good amount of data over a time frame. We've also been involved in multi-center nutrition research projects, and interestingly, we were the only site to use actual pump data during these projects. So it appeared in comparison that we underfed our patients to a greater degree compared to other sites. So it was during one of these projects that it was suggested that I publish our data to bring awareness to this potential confounding issue. Tell us a little bit about how you collected your data and over what period of time you studied it. This was a prospective observational study, and the data was collected from June 2014 to July 2015 on patients admitted to the medical and surgical ICUs here at NASA University Medical Center, and a total of 218 patients were enrolled. 192 patient samples were collected. And the RD, which was me, collected the data every one to three days, depending on if it was a weekend or a holiday. And it was retrieved directly from the pump. And the data that was documented in the email was collected as well. As you just mentioned, you said you had data from about 192 patient samples. And one of your main findings was that the enteral nutrition volume recorded in the EMR was statistically different from what the pumps recorded. So what was the overall difference? And did you think that the EMR tended to over or underestimate the actual volume that was given to the patients? Overall, we found that 40% of the patient samples were outside an acceptable range, that range being from 90 to 110%. 26% fell below reflecting an over-documentation in the EMAR, and 14% fell above, reflecting an under-documentation. 
So when we looked at this in terms of the calorie difference, 17% of the patient samples were documented to have received more calories than actually provided. But more interesting to us, which we weren't expecting, was that 13% of the samples received more calories than were documented. I'm curious, what are the reasons that you and your colleagues think you found differences between the documentation and the EMR and the actual volume of the tube feeding given as shown by your pump? There are many reasons for the discrepancies. First, it is very difficult to gauge how much central nutrition is actually infused when there are frequent interruptions in delivery, like in an ICU setting. Other reasons may include issues with the pump, issues with the tubing, issues with the feeding tube itself, staff-related issues like staffing levels on any particular day, certain staff not being familiar with the functionality of the pump and or the EMAR, particular patients' demands on staffing time, so maybe they spent so much time at the bedside that they were not documenting in the EMAR, let's say, every hour where they had to rely on their memory or handwritten notes and document later on in the day. So that can introduce more discrepancies there. And then also realize that not just the nurse pauses the tube feeding in the ICU, they may be paused by various personnel for numerous reasons, like physical therapy or even the physicians when they go over to the bedside to do procedures. So there are so many different variables to take into account. I was kind of surprised by the percent of patients that were underfed and overfed by the volume, but do you think that those differences are significant enough to make a clinical difference in our patients' outcomes? Absolutely. Our data showed that 40% of the time the documentation was significantly skewed, and 30% of the time there was a significant calorie difference. So this has implications not only for nutritional aspects of care, but also for fluid management. And research is mostly based on documented data, data which may not be accurate. We know that inaccurate documentation is a problem, and the more significant issue really may be here when we think we're providing adequate nutrition, and in reality, we are not. So what are some strategies that you can suggest to improve the actual delivery of the nutrition and also, at the same time, improve documentation? Um, Using actual pump data is a viable alternative. However, I will tell you from experience, it's very time-consuming to collect and to analyze. With advancements in technology, we'll come away to automatically transfer the data from the pump directly to the EMAR without any human involvement. I'm anxiously awaiting this to happen. And from my experience, I've learned that some staff are better with documentation than others, and some are better with hands-on care. So any technology that could be used to free up nursing time will benefit our patients overall. As far as improving nutrition delivery in our ICU, we found that the biggest difference in nutrition provision was made when we instituted an enteral nutrition feeding protocol in combination with post-pyloric feeding tube use. Before we conclude, Lisa, are there any other comments that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, I hope our research inspires others working at the bedside to participate in this type of quality improvement research. It can appear overwhelming before you actually take on your first project, but once you get the first one under your belt, it becomes easier as time goes on. So I do encourage others to jump right in and get involved and use an interdisciplinary approach grab some physicians, nurses, and have a whole team that can work on these projects because that will benefit the patients overall. Well, Lisa, I want to thank you today for sharing your expertise and your study results with our listeners. 
and I invite our readers to find out more about animal nutrition and other nutrition support topics in our April 2017 issue of Nutritional and Clinical Practice. Thank you very much.